Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows. All of it. I think we're going to have a good time, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. This episode, episode 12, is called, I Just Don't Want to Make Any Mistakes. Well, I told you as I began this episode and we stepped out on this journey together that I wear a lot of hats and I would try to explain just a little bit about some of them along, and I might do a little bit of that now. I'm a pastor, a writer, a singer, a record maker, an editor, a copy editor, an audiobook narrator, a husband, a father, a grandfather, and best of all, a child of God. And I guess in all of those areas, I've done a little bit lately, as is pretty much always the case. Sunday was just a couple of days ago as I'm recording here, and of course, I preached and did the preaching work and the pastoral work that you do on those days, and the pastoral work never stops. That's just the nature of the work. There never is a time when you can say it's over. You preach, yeah, you get your sermon ready, you preach, and you can sure say that's over. And Sunday afternoons are really a nice time to relax a little bit and maybe just uh, take a nap or enjoy a little time on the couch with the dog or play with the grandkids or watch a good movie or whatever. I love those days, those afternoons. I love what happens on Sunday, but I love those afternoons. But your work never really stops. Because as Eugene Peterson has written, and he's done such good work, Peterson is the one who came up with the paraphrase of the Bible, the message, and did amazing work. What a hard job. Translation, you've got to be good at that. You've got to know the languages and have a lot of schooling under your belt to be able to do a good job at that. And then to know the English language and to bring the languages right on into English in a vernacular sort of way that we can enjoy and understand and maybe even get a new little bit of a view from. What an incredible, incredible task. What a great job he did. He's also written many other great books. One of them is called The Pastor, and he always considered that to be his primary role. And he said, you know, you can find CEOs with business plans. You can find guys who want to just make the business of religion kind of be a big thing and prosper in that regard. But being a pastor is a different thing. How can you be a pastor if you don't know your sheep? How can you be a pastor if you don't live life with them? And he says, that's what it's all about. Living life with them and pointing out what God is doing in their lives and in yours and seeing that together in good times and hard times and wonderful times and difficult times. It's really amazing that God allows ordinary people to do that kind of work, but we're all ordinary people. And that's what's amazing. He does such extraordinary things every day in our ordinary lives. You know, I get the feeling when I read the Gospels that when Jesus was here, ordinary people were his very favorite sort. I think that's still true. And it's a good thing because we're all ordinary, aren't we? Thank God that he loves us with extraordinary love. You know, it really is all about relationship. It's about relationship with God and relationship with his people. 
I hope that you've got a warm place in your own life, your own little church, where that warmth of relationship is very real. I don't know how you really can have much of a relationship with someone if you don't even know them, if you don't know their names, if you don't know their spouses and their kids and their joys and their sorrows and their difficulties and their challenges and their celebrations. I'm just thankful that I've been allowed to be a part of all of those things as I've been allowed to be a part of the lives of our folks here. What a blessing it's been. Yeah, it's all about relationship. Well, we are ordinary people, and we make lots of mistakes as ordinary people. I remember years ago now, the question an interviewer put to the guy he was interviewing, and the question was this. How do you learn from your successes and your failures? His answer was, I don't see myself as having failures. I was so surprised by the answer that I may not have heard it if he later tried to pull that bit of nonsense out of the ditch. Could any sane person fall into a failure more foolish or fatal than to claim to have no failures? Wow, that's hard. You know, until we've shot ourselves in the foot and have been forced to learn that though God's children all dance, they also all walk with a limp, I doubt we have much valuable to offer those who want to join the dance. Until we have been aghast to find ourselves down in the depths, we deep down think in our heart of hearts, even if not aloud, you know, we wouldn't say it aloud, that we or our group are a cut above the rest, God's favorites, the bluebirds in the class, at least a little bit gifted and talented morally. We blindly think that all we really need is a little more time to try harder and get things all figured out and sharpen up our act. Well, we think that until we've dealt with failure, until we really have made a lot of mistakes, some of them small, some of them daily, some of them world-class big, world-class hurtful. You know, until we realize that grace is real and precious, it's not amazing grace. Until we realize how badly we need it and how much it costs God to give it, the blood of his own son, we don't realize what an amazing, wonderful, priceless thing it is. Well, the guy who answered that question, what have you learned from your successes and failures, by saying, I don't see myself as having failures, did so back in 2012. I didn't know then that today he would be our present president. Well, make of that what you will. And I mean that. I don't mean to be political here. I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to that election that's coming up as I am recording this, uh, coming up in November, with about the same joy and enthusiasm as I would look forward to a root canal. And I feel qualified to speak on that because I am presently undergoing a root canal. I thought a root canal was something that you really never wanted, but you went to the dentist and you got it done. One time in, one time out, pain endured, numbed, unnumbed, feeling back, everything fine and hunky-dory. Well, my dentist is doing a great job. He's also a great friend, but I will in a couple of days go back for my third visit as we've done this in stages. And he was right to do that, I'm sure. I may have talked to you about this before. It's been on my mind and in my mouth a little bit lately, but it hurts. It's nothing I look forward to too much. So I feel like it's kind of a very appropriate metaphor for the upcoming election. Good grief. And that's enough 
of that. Successes and failures, we all have them. We all make mistakes, and most of us are very, very much aware of the mistakes that we make. One of these days, I'll tell you a story about killing a mouse out in the garage. Well, I'll tell you a story about a mouse out in the garage that I didn't kill. Ah, shoot. I'll just tell you a little bit about it right now because it really focuses on a mistake that I made one time, and it could have been a great deal more consequential than it was. As it turns out, it's kind of a funny mistake. My kids have certainly enjoyed it, and my wife. But one evening, we heard something moving around out there or whatever. Anyway, I opened the door to the garage, and I looked down the stairs into the garage, and I saw a mouse flit around the corner, kind of get behind a a bench that we had out there, a, a cabinet that we had out there. And I decided that instead of just putting a trap out and doing this thing the normal way, I'd get it over with more quickly. I knew that neither the mouse nor I would have any peace as long as my wife knew that that mouse was out there and still breathing. And so I opted for what I thought was a quicker solution. I tried to be careful, but long story short, I went and got a BB gun. I'm glad I didn't have a pellet gun then or it could have been a lot more painful. I went and got a BB gun that I had and I was trying to be careful. I put on some gloves. I put on some ski goggles I put on a cap, I think, to try to, to, to be a little careful in case something happened that I didn't expect. I opened up the door quietly, stepped to the top of those stairs, looked down, waited for that mouse to appear. Now the gun is cocked. It's ready to go. The mouse does appear. And I took aim and I fired. It would have gone so well if that bullet had sunk into his warm little furry body. Done the job. He'd be out of his misery. I'd have been out of my misery. Everything would have gone okay. Well, it didn't because I missed. My BB hit the cement floor, bounced up, hit the side of that cabinet and ricocheted and hit me in the forehead. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. It wasn't you. I shot myself in the forehead. Now it could have been a lot worse. I could have shot my eye out. And then from that day forward, whenever anybody asked me, how did you lose your eye? I would have had to tell them that Delta Force training exercises are extremely dangerous and much more complicated than most people realize. And I lost that eye in one of those special force exercises. Well, I probably wouldn't have said that, but I really would have hated to have had to go over the wretched story over and over and over again and tell the truth. So as it turns out, it wasn't that horrible a mistake. It was nothing fatal. Even the mouse got away with his life, at least at that moment. I can't imagine my wife letting him live for long. I don't remember what happened, but I do know that this story has provided my wife and my sons with a great deal of amusement for a lot of years. And now my grandkids are beginning to enjoy the story. So I guess it kind of worked out okay. But I would put that in the mistake column. I wish that was the least bad mistake that I'd ever made. I wish I hadn't made lots of other mistakes in my life that were a great deal more hurtful, not just to me, but to other people. I wish that I didn't goof up every day with my tongue, for example, in ways that I really wish I didn't. I wish I hadn't made some decisions along that really turned out to be pretty bad ones. I wish. 
Well, I wish I hadn't made so many mistakes, but I'm human and humans make mistakes. And I hope we learn from them. We're going to talk about that just a little bit as we go on. Time right here for a little bit of an ad. You know, I'd like to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Again, we really don't have a major sponsor just yet, but hey, I'll be a major sponsor. I would just like to invite you to go over to my website at www.curtisshelburn.com and look around a little bit and see what you can find there. One of the little books that is there is called Wing Whispers of Love. And I would love it if you would pick up a copy of that book. You can order it right there. I'd be happy to send it to you. I'd be happy to autograph it to you or to anybody that you'd like to specify. Be happy to do that. It might devalue it a little bit, having my writing scrawled over it. You can also buy it on Amazon for way too little money. And it is available there also as an audio book there and on Audible and iTunes. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention that that little book, Wing Whispers of Love, is also available on Amazon.com in ebook form, Kindle format. And if you enjoy Kindle books, well, go over there and pick it up there. It is dirt cheap, I promise you. In fact, it'll just bring tears to my eyes how cheap it is. But I'm so glad it's available, seriously. And I think it's a read that you might enjoy. This podcast is also available there and the previous episodes. Go over to podcast. It's up at the top. Once you get to the homepage on the website, top right, just click on that and there you are. I'd love it if you'd subscribe. If you're using one of the podcast players that are available as apps for our phones and other devices, it really is a fun thing to subscribe to podcasts that you enjoy. That way you'll get notifications when a new episode comes out. And you might consider that. You can also get a clue as to how to do that right there. If you go to the website, go over to podcast and drop on down and see what you find. And there's so much else. www.curtisshelburn.com And now, let's focus on faith. It's been a good long time ago now, but I remember very well a movie that my wife and I watched. Truth be told, I was putting off watching the movie until my wife made me. It was a love story, and early on in the movie, the young husband died, tragically felled by a brain tumor. Chick flick, right? What was your first clue? Untimely death or cancer? I was surprised by two things. First, I enjoyed it. Second, one great line from the movie made me think. As the movie begins, the guy and gal are talking about whether or not to have a baby. Both of them are likable folks, as, quote, successful in their work as young folks just starting out can be. But it becomes clear that the husband is carefree and impetuous, and she's a lovable control freak who is probably a bit afraid control is always about fear, to say good morning without having some kind of plan in mind, both for them and for the rest of the day, and probably the next month, the next year, and the next decade. He wants them to have a baby. She says they can't afford to yet. Come to think of it, I'm not sure I ever met anybody who could afford to have a baby. She says they can't afford it. Being translated, 
Her protests mean that in her life plan, be financially stable shows up two lines ahead of have a baby with hazel eyes weighing in at seven pounds, six ounces on a Thursday afternoon between three and four central time in a month ending in R. Her hesitance probably also means that she knows deep down that the world has never seen a kid who could be completely controlled and that a long synonym for baby is, quote, some degree of chaos and disorder from now on. The best delayed parenting plans will be broken and in need of change more often than the kid needs new shoes. Learn some flexibility or go quickly crazy. Welcome to parenthood, end quote. Like I say, the gal is a lovable control freak. She has the best of intentions. She really believes that most of life can and should be scrupulously planned. And if you plan it with all the right ingredients, life can hardly fail to turn out just like you have planned it. To fail to plan is to plan to fail. And all that stuff has some truth in it and looks really great on the screen at success seminars. It works fine until real life bumps into it or roars over it like a freight train squashing a bug on the rails. She doesn't know that real life is racing down the track toward her and her husband. For them, it won't be a baby. It will be a tumor. But they can't know that yet. And so the argument rolls on until she finally blurts out her life philosophy based on fear. I just don't want to make any mistakes, Jerry. Her smiling Irish husband replies with a wry wad of wisdom, Well, you're in the wrong species, love. Ain't it just the truth? But the creator of our species loves us completely, mistaken though we almost always are, and his is the only plan that ultimately matters. We can trust our Father and let go. No fear. Thanks so much for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to get on board for this episode, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? Sure would appreciate it. Have a great day.